This is an Alert USA Threat Journal, Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, November 19th, 2022. This week in security news, on 10 occasions this week, Alert USA subscribers were notified via SMS messages to their mobile devices regarding safety and security matters, most important for this report. Early Tuesday afternoon, Alert USA subscribers were notified of a missile strike in a Polish village of Shevadów, located four miles west of the Ukrainian border. The Polish Foreign Ministry confirmed the strike, which killed two workers at a grain processing site and raised concerns across Europe of a dangerous escalation in the conflict. This missile strike would be the first time in the war that Russian munitions have impacted within a NATO country. Listeners are reminded that under Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, an attack against one ally is considered an attack against all allies, thus raising the prospect that Poland's fellow NATO members would be obliged to come to its defense. A short time later, Alert USA subscribers were notified of a security alert issued by the U.S. State Department warning U.S. citizens of a continued heightened threat of missile attacks across Ukraine, including in the capital. On Wednesday, an emergency meeting of NATO's North Atlantic Council was held. Here are some comments from NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg following that meeting. Good afternoon. We have just finished a meeting of the North Atlantic Council. We addressed uh, yesterday's explosion in the east of Poland on the border uh, with Ukraine. Our top military commander, General Cavoli, briefed allies, and the Polish ambassador updated us on the incident and the ongoing investigation. Yesterday's explosion took place as Russia launched a massive wave of rocket attacks across Ukraine. Since the start of Russia's illegal war in Ukraine, NATO has increased uh, vigilance across our eastern flank, and we are monitoring the situation on a continuous basis. An investigation into this incident is ongoing, and we need to await its outcome. But we have no indication that this was the result of a deliberate attack. And we have no indication that Russia is preparing offensive military actions against NATO. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. But let me be clear. This is not Ukraine's fault. Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine. In the meeting today, NATO allies offered their deepest condolences on the tragic loss of life. They expressed their strong solidarity with our valued allied Poland and made clear that we will continue to support Ukraine in its right to self-defense. Russia must stop this senseless war. Last night, I spoke with the Polish President Andrzej Duda and with President, U.S. President Joe Biden. We agreed uh, that we need to stay vigilant, calm, and closely coordinated. We will continue to consult and monitor the situation very closely. NATO stands united, and we will always do what is necessary 
to protect and defend all allies. Also on Wednesday, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley met virtually from the Pentagon with representatives from more than 50 countries and organizations for the seventh meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group. Here's General Milley providing a war update. Thank you, uh, Secretary Austin. I appreciate that, and I appreciate uh, your leadership uh, as we gathered today, this morning, uh, for the seventh consecutive uh, convening of the Ukrainian Contact Group, which we've been doing every month, as you know. And thanks also to all the ministers of defense out there who participated, and all of my counterparts, all the charge that participated, and other senior representatives uh, from almost 50 countries uh, showed up uh, at this meeting this morning and continue to take part uh, in these discussions, which are very, very productive. Uh, the mission of the group uh, remains clear, uh, to support Ukraine as they counter the illegal and unprovoked Russian aggression. Uh, and to continue to supply Ukraine with the capabilities necessary to defend their sovereignty. Through these contact group sessions and other close coordinations that I have and the Secretary has with our counterparts, uh, that I talk to General Zaluzny weekly and my staff continually talks to his staff, we continue to respond uh, to Ukraine's battlefield requirements and their needs for means of fighting for their freedom. This is a war of choice. It's a war of choice for Russia. They embarked on a tremendous strategic mistake. They made a choice in February of this year to illegally invade a country that posed no threat to Russia. In making that choice, Russia established several objectives. They wanted to overthrow President Zelensky and his government. They wanted to secure access to the Black Sea they wanted to capture Odessa. Uh, they wanted to seize all the way to the Dnieper River, pause, and then continue to attack all the way to the Carpathian Mountains. In short, they wanted to overrun all of Ukraine, and they lost. They didn't achieve those objectives. They failed to achieve their strategic objectives, and they are now failing to achieve their operational and tactical objectives. Russia changed their war aims in March and beginning of April. Their war of choice then focused on the seizure of the Donbas, the Donetsk and Luhansk Oblasts. That was their operational objectives, and they failed there. Then they changed again and expanded to seize Zaporizhia and Kyrgyzstan. The strategic reframing of their objectives, of their illegal invasion, have all failed, every single one of them. And we've just witnessed last week Russia's retreat from Kyrgyzstan. They retreated across the Dnipro River. They moved to more defensible positions south of the river. Their losses due to Ukrainian success and skill and bravery on the battlefield have been very, very significant. And it's clear that the Russian will to fight does not match the Ukrainian will to fight. On the battlefield, Ukrainians' offensive up in Kharkiv has been very successful, where they crossed the Oskil River, and they have moved to the east and are near uh, the town of Savartovi. There is a significant ongoing fight down in Bakhmut right now and in, in the vicinity of Seversk and Solidar, where the Ukrainians are fighting a very, very successful mobile defense. There is limited contact right now in Zaporizhia, 
and limited contact in and around the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. And as we already discussed, Kyrgyzstan's offensive has been successful. So across the entire frontline trace of some 900 or so kilometers, the Ukrainians have achieved success after success after success. And the Russians have failed every single time. They've lost strategically, they've lost operationally, and I repeat, they lost tactically. What they've tried to do, they failed at. They started this war, and Russia can end this war. Russia can make another choice, and they can make a choice today to end this war. However, Russia is choosing to use their time to attempt to regroup their forces, and they are imposing a campaign of terror, a campaign of maximum suffering on the Ukrainian civilian population in order to defeat Ukrainian morale. The Russians are striking throughout the depth and breadth of all of Ukraine with air-launched cruise missiles, with caliber sea-launched cruise missiles, and with other types of munitions. They are striking the Ukrainian civilian infrastructure, and it has little or no military purpose. While assessments are ongoing, yesterday's strikes looked like they launched at least 60 missiles, and they may have launched upwards of 90 or even perhaps 100, and we'll have better assessments in the days ahead. But it was likely the largest wave of missiles that we've seen since the beginning of the war. These missiles, again, they targeted intentionally and damaged civilian power generation facilities to cause unnecessary suffering with the civilian population. We assess now that over a quarter of Ukrainian civilians are without power. The deliberate targeting of the civilian power grid causing excessive collateral damage and unnecessary suffering on the civilian population is a war crime. With the onset of winter, families will be without power and, more importantly, without heat. Basic human survival and subsistence is going to be severely impacted, and human suffering for the Ukrainian population is going to increase. These strikes will undoubtedly hinder Ukraine's ability to care for the sick and the elderly. Their hospitals will be partially operational. The elderly are going to be exposed to the elements. In the wake of unrelenting Russian aggression and incalculable human suffering, Ukraine will continue to endure. Ukraine is not going to back down. The Ukrainian people are hard. They're tough. And most of all, they're free. And they want to remain free. Ukraine is going to continue to take the fight to the Russians. And I just had a significant conversation with my Ukrainian counterpart, and he assures me that that is the future for Ukraine. In related news, former Russian president, prime minister, and current deputy chairman of the country's powerful Security Council, Dmitry Medvedev, went on a social media tirade on Wednesday of this week, calling proposals to prosecute Russia for war crimes, quote, legally void, and any attempts to do so would potentially threaten the existence of mankind. He went on to say that the idea of punishing a country that has major nuclear potential is, quote, absurd in itself. 
Medvedev also argued that Russia should not be held accountable for slaughtering thousands of civilians in Ukraine because the U.S. military did the same in Afghanistan, Syria, Vietnam, and elsewhere. Alert USA urges listeners to consider the totality of current events. We live in a dynamic threat environment which, by almost any metric, is becoming increasingly dangerous. From international terrorism, such as this week's bombing on a trendy shopping street in Istanbul, Turkey, that killed six and injured 81, to the near-weekly nuclear threats being made by Russia and North Korea, to the increasing potential for spillover of a conventional war in Eastern Europe, to China's ongoing militarization of the South China Sea and the likely invasion of Taiwan, to deep civil and political divisions, it is important that you stay well-informed and cautious. Next up, in travel security news, once again, AlertUSA reminds listeners that a U.S. State Department worldwide caution is in effect, warning of the continued threat of terrorist attacks, demonstrations, and other violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests overseas. According to the cautionary statement, current information suggests that terrorist organizations continue to plan terrorist attacks against U.S. interests in multiple regions across the globe. These attacks may employ a wide variety of tactics to include suicide operations, assassinations, kidnappings, hijackings, and bombings. With this in mind, those listeners planning travel abroad this holiday should set aside time to bolster the safety and security aspects of your trip. At a minimum, AlertUSA strongly recommends checking out the U.S. State Department's travel website as well as that of the CDC for safety, security, and health considerations for your destination as well as for the latest evolving international travel regulations. Do this regardless of your destination. In addition to U.S. government travel guidance, AlertUSA also recommends taking a few minutes to visit the equivalent websites of the Canadian, Australian, and British governments to see the travel guidance that those nations are providing to their citizens as security analysis and assessments often vary. Links to those foreign government sites can be found in the weekly Threat Journal email newsletter. Finally, AlertUSA also recommends U.S. citizens preparing to travel abroad take a few minutes to register your trip with the State Department's Smart Traveler Enrollment Program so you can receive important information directly from the embassy about safety conditions in your destination country both before and while you are there, as well as to help the embassy contact you in an emergency. All of this is easy, it's free, and could potentially save your life if you simply avail yourself of the resources. You can find more on each of the stories in this report in the latest issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. Take a moment and visit ThreatJournal.com to sign up. The publication is free, and a copy of this week's issue will be immediately sent to you via email. If you would like to receive Homeland Security-related threat and incident alerts on your mobile device, visit AlertsUSA.com. AlertsUSA continues to monitor the overall domestic and international threat environment and will immediately notify service subscribers via SMS messages and email of new alerts, warnings, and advisories, or any other factors which signal a change in the overall threat picture for American citizens as events warrant. This has been an Alert USA Threat Journal Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, November 19th, 2022.